Traders Live podcast. Chuggers, welcome. This is Thank your you. life. Yes, I feel welcome on my own <laughs> podcast. This is the whole reason I started a podcast, just so we can interview myself. So <laughs> I think this is we're done after this episode, aren't we? We're just doing the two. Well, I've got everything out out of it that I want. So yeah, yeah, me yeah too. it's uh... no, mate, no, a lot, a lot of much better uh, and more interesting people to come, no doubt. So. Um, guys, this is obviously our second episode of the Traders Live pod. Um, first one with, was with myself, um, and second one is the the, the other half of the uh, of the production, which, which is uh, Churg. So, um, and mate, I just see your screen up here before we get too far into it. What are we uh, What are we looking at today, mate? So it's around midday thereabouts in in daylight savings time on a Monday. So I'm kind of going to be looking for a reversion play on the Oz 200. I was thinking about getting interesting, mixing up with some equities, but liquidity is usually dead around midday. So I should probably go ahead and start the timer for myself. And I think I might yep. just throw some shorts on and get mm -hmm. cooking. And I'm just going okay. to play the reversion back to open here. So this is a 30-minute chart on a Monday. So alrighty, I'm going to and sell. Any, um, any rhyme or reason? Mate, this one or it's just uh, we've I I do like a good midday reversal, um, mm -hmm. sort of as a as a bit of a strategy I'm trying out at the moment. As you know, I'm sort of equities is where I where I've played, and so for me, it's it's I guess something I'm still learning a lot. And so, what better place to learn it than in front of everyone who's watching? <laughs> You know, what, what could possibly go wrong? So yeah, you'll be fine, mate. So what's, um, yeah. I just want to talk us through. So we're on the Aussie 200 um, this morning for people mm. that are not uh, on YouTube. And what's happened this morning, mate? So we had a quite a strong rally off of open there. Obviously, markets rallied in the overnight session, US, etc. And then the odd thing this morning was that gold had a really, really good, and actually had the chart still here, had a essentially a 2% move. I think it touched all-time highs. And I mean, that's sort of coming back now. So there was a bit of um, bit of interesting unforeseen moves in the market. So just keeping an eye on that over the next hour, see if there's any sort of opportunity I can find. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think I think the news item was that caused gold to spike, I think, was in the Red Sea, there was some commercial vessels and a US vessel that might have had some, had some sort of military um, activity happen around it. And so I think yep. that could be... That could be that, but it's still, yeah, still early days. So we'll see how we go. So gold, gold spiked and it's coming back, <clears throat> excuse me. Mm. And, and the Aussies also spiked on open, but I, I think the S&P's fallen. So yeah, interesting um, start to the day, mate. You've picked a, probably picked a good time to uh, get involved. So I really hope so, because it's my whole <laughs> trading career riding on this. <laughs> <laughs> so much pressure. <laughs> Um, so guys, yeah, obviously, um, this is our second episode, uh, everything we say here, just a disclaimer, uh, it is a demo account. We're just using this, uh, as a bit of a unique way to get inside, um, some really interesting traders minds in terms of trading for an hour and see where they land, uh, at the end of it. Um, and just listen to them, how they think about trades, <clears throat> what their risk management plans are, et cetera, et cetera. So, um don't take any of what we say as gospel is the bottom line of that um but churgs is already up 100 bucks in uh one minute mate so at this pace you'll um you'll outpace me on the leaderboard by the end of today but uh i guess we'll see 
We'll see. Yeah, I, I figured that you set a really good uh, sort of benchmark last week. I should come in and just for the sake of our, our guests set a really poor benchmark this week. So it's sort of, it's not, not too bad. I'm thinking that might <laughs> be the way to go. <laughs> Very good. And anyone listening on the pod, um, as I said, uh, we are recording video as well. So um, good to jump on YouTube if you get a chance. So Yeah, yeah. We have some really interesting guests lined up really quick. We've got some really interesting guests lined up. And the other thing I just wanted to quickly put in is if you, the listener or viewer, have anyone that you think is worth um, getting on who have, has a really good story, interesting way of approaching the markets, leave a comment or get in touch with us and sort of give us a, a prod in the right direction in terms of guests. And while you're there, also just subscribe to the channel or leave a review on the podcast because that sort of helps us understand that we're on the right path and, and doing the right thing. So with that, I think we should get into uh, a get bit into about it. me, I guess. Yeah. Oof. Yep. So, um, mate, how, how much did you weigh when you were born? You know, tell me all the, the early life of, of Chogas. And, where, you, mate, you were born, where were you born? Brizzy? I was, no, I grew up and was born in, in the middle of Queensland. So, Emerald Rockhampton is a really small sort of mining-centric town where, you know, sort of 2011, we had the, the mining boom and bust. So, that was that was my childhood, living in this very small country town and... Did all my schooling, primary and high schooling there, and you know the Were beach is four hours away. Or? No, no. So my parents both work in in farming and agriculture, but they they just had a couple of acres on the river, which sounds amazing, but it's a couple of acres on a on a brown small river <laughs> in in Emerald, and I I lived there since day one to you know until I moved out of home when I was seventeen and finished finished high school so yeah that's that's essentially where I grew up how did you find country life very good I knew absolutely no better I um had the best time of my life I spent a lot of my hours in the swimming pool I swam from when I was really young um until sort of I finished high school and that was my main sport I got really got really into that was training sort of three hours a day, once in the morning, once in the afternoon while doing school and everything like that. So that was Thorpey. a lot of my Thorpey. childhood. Yeah, no, not quite. But I, um, yeah, I did get, give it a fair shake of the sauce bottle. And <laughs> I mean, like reflecting onto sort of trading and business now, that's probably where I, lot of, I learned a lot of discipline and, and going to achieve something and the delayed gratification. Because I mean, I was up at, 4.45 every morning in the pool, no matter what temperature at five. And, you know, it was doing the exact same thing in the afternoon to the detriment of my schoolwork. But that was, uh, I think, a really sort of good founding cornerstone to my, to my early life that sort of set me up for what I think has been, yeah, a pretty good journey so far in terms of adult life. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd completely agree with that, man. I still do that. I do the, uh, the swim and the, the steam and cold shower in the morning. And, you know, it's that thing that they say, you know, if you do something hard, um, you know, that early in the morning, it's like for me, it's a cold shower. Um, it's, you know, everything else for the rest of the day seems pretty, pretty straightforward to overcome. So I'm, I'm not sure, sure why these days you seem like you're half asleep when we do our pods in the morning, but um, hopefully you get back to, back to some kind of routine, mate, at some point. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, now I'm just trying to get to the gym or do a run in the morning, and you got to go. Sometimes you know that falls through. Yeah, that makes it tough. Far out. <laughs> Even come back to bed. <laughs> How old? Yeah, are you no, now? but I'm 24 at the moment. So yeah, yeah. I've been been trading for a few years. Did a few years in the working world. Did a few years at, at university. So that's sort of been me up until now. Yeah. So what you you finished school what year? Uh twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen, right. And then went to yeah. uni? Yeah, so I moved to Brisbane, which is essentially the, the capital city of my state in, in Queensland for those who are foreign listening. And that's where I attended university, which was it was a pretty big thing for someone in Emerald. I it's sort of a weird thing to look back on, but I actually went through my, my list of year 12 Facebook friends the other day. And I mean, 90% of them, not 90%, it's probably 50, 60% are married or married with kids and are still living in that, in that small town. So I think it was a really important thing for, I guess, what I wanted to achieve in life and everything that I, that I got out of Emerald. Um, it did a lot of good things for me, but it was a really, another really important thing that I, I did that sort of, set me on a different trajectory yeah i got a mate that grew up in gimpy and he's got the same experience and he always uh sends me songs that uh remind him very much of uh you know growing up in a, a small country town etc so i'm sure it's uh the same that he's just happy that he got out i think is um you know his kind of feeling on it but um yeah no it, it is it is very much a trap but it's not i mean if it's something that makes you happy and um i see a lot of my my friends from school are happy they've got great partners they very much love their kids and everything like that so it's just what different people have different wants and different desires and mine wasn't to stay in emerald so yeah and then so yeah i moved to uni yeah sorry i was just going to quickly cut cut in if uh what are we we're 10 minutes in and you're 600 bucks up it's moved what 10 points so not not a bad not a bad start for a young fella but um we'll keep it so what's your what's your thinking at the moment mate? are you you're just gonna write write or die or what's what's the yeah i think i am going to write or die i'm just going to hold this bad boy until it goes to zero i think through the hour i know it's not not particularly crazy i do have a uh, i guess you know a very small amount of free capital available yeah, that yeah. I might sort of either redeploy on a pop or I might even just come in for some YOLO and, and do something <laughs> some gold. on gold. <laughs> yeah. So what what, what yeah. would cause you to stop out here? Like if this was a real account, what, what would you be yep. doing? I think I have a very tight stop and I don't know how to put this physically on, on this platform, but I have a very tight stop above the high of day that we've just seen. Um, just because my original thesis to the trade was a reversion and we've seen that drive, we've seen sort of midday now lapse and my whole thesis, whether it's right, wrong, it, again, it's still got a very, a lot of rough edges on it, but my thesis is that we've now seen the high of day and that will fade into the afternoon. So a stop for a loss would be above the high of day in terms of a stop. Now that I'm in profit, we'll let it eventuate a bit more, but yeah, it's, that's sort of still up in the air for me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough. And um, so onto onto uni, mate. What did you What did you study there? Yeah, so I went to Brisbane 
and I studied, I did six months of IT, didn't like that, and then did business and commerce for essentially four and a half years at, um, at university there, which was, uh, you know, it was good. I learned some, some things, um, but I was also living on college throughout that time. And I oh, mean, wow. yeah, when you live on campus, uh, I think the, the proximity to university does not correlate to the amount of time that you spend at university. One of my regrets uh, I was, was uh, not living on campus for a short period. Yes. A short period's probably key. I did three years there, which is what sort of everyone does. And I mean, by the third year, I was very, very keen to get out, but it is, it was great for me because obviously I was moving from a small town. That's where I found my first friends, had my first interests, things like that. And yeah, like it was, it was regardless of my grades, which are like, they, I definitely could have done a hundred times better. Regardless of my grades, I would not have changed that experience for the world. And it was, yeah, it was absolutely formative in me gaining social skills, figuring out what life outside of a small town is like and just how big and um, expensive things can get. And also, yeah, just making friends. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a really good time. I find that, um, I find that country people are the best type of people in terms of they're usually so genuine and honest, but sometimes they don't have that um, probably social butterfly side to them as well. So, yeah, it's interesting, you know, living on campus, I, I'd imagine that you would have, um, you know, evolved in that respect as well. Mm, mm. I'm just going to quickly take um, nearly half off here. I'm gonna, I've got 50 units, so I'm going to just buy another 20 at market, and I'm just obviously that's covering my position back to a 30 unit net now. So, so you've just nailed a 20 point drop. Yes. Yep. So that's just had a really good drop nearly back towards market open there. And I think there might be a little bit of breathing room here in the interim. So whether that's, I add in again, when it, when it gets a little bit higher or I just free carry the rest down, yep. I yep. am yet to decide, but we'll just cool it for the time cool being. It, cool it down. Lock in a little bit of profit. <laughs> This is not going how I hope, to be honest, this, um, your training, but anyway. Um, right, thanks. <laughs> um, so, mate, academically, you're, you're fairly fairly clever? Um, mate, that's a, that's a really good question. My grades wouldn't reflect it, but for the amount of time I put into my university, I would say, I mean, I, I was barely, barely there. I was too busy. I wasn't like partying or anything like that. It was, it was honestly like more looking at different business ventures, having different interests. I had a thousand ideas and none of that was actually in looking at the box. Um, so, I mean, my grades were okay. I know if I'd applied myself, I would have been so much better. So yeah, yeah. that's just, so you've always, is that a yeah. uni thing or you always had that kind of entrepreneurial curious um, kind of businessy brain? No, no, always had the entrepreneurial side in various forms. Like when I was younger, I used to, my first business ever when I was really young is I used to buy the seconds of a local grape farm and I'd repackage that and essentially get on my bike and, or go door to door and sell to my neighbors and, and essentially deliver them fresh, fresh produce to their door. Oh. And I got that oh, wow. to the point where I grew an 
grew an emailing list and essentially people would email me their orders every, every week. And I would then go to the grape farm and say, Hey, I need, you know, 50, a hundred kilos of grapes. And then I would yeah get delivering around, around town. So that was on, on your treadle. Yeah. Oh, yes. Wow. Yep. That was my first, um, first good business. And that was actually in the end there, I did have to get mum to help because around Christmas <laughs> time there, when they ordered, you know, we had like three people order five kilos of grapes. So I wasn't carting five kilos at a time from one side of town to the other. So I guess in my way I had my first employee that as well. So. Wow. And, um, yeah. And so they were seconds, they were not prime grapes. No, no. And then I would essentially take delivery of those and I would then cut all the poor, uh, sort of grapes off of, off of the fruit they'd given me, just leave the good stuff and then, um, repackage those into kilo bags that I I just bought from Woolworths and that would be the produce that I sold, sold. So yeah, that was, um, that was a good little business. I think that did me quite well. Yeah, what, what, what kind of margins were you looking at there? Oh, I can't remember, but I think at the time I was buying them for six, selling them for 11 or something like that yep. by per kilo. Decent. So oh, for a kid, five yeah. bucks a, uh, a kilo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, hundred percent. So right. yeah. And always had a job when I was in Emerald. I worked at, um, worked at a car wash for a few years. <laughs> Excuse me. In between, you still um, like getting soapy, don't you? Yes, mate. I do. I very much do. Um, but I I'm think talking about car wash. You do. You do. do a oh, car yeah. Once in a while. Oh, <laughs> I wasn't being dirty, mate. No, I no, I wouldn't expect any of that from you. Uh, yeah, I do. I do do a random day at a car wash every once in a while, and I do also do sort of buyers agency work. So, I just on a Saturday we'll go around to open homes and write reports for this buyers agency company that's located interstate, and yeah, from there I actually use that money to pay bills and everything like that, and whatever I make on trading, some um, you know, it's cream on top. So that's, that's my current setup. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And is there anything else job wise that you think was interesting that kind of taught you anything coming in we'll get to the trading in a bit, but, um, anything formative from that point of view? Mate, I did a couple of years at a startup or I did a year at a startup and that was really interesting to see. That was also when, when money was quite easy to come by every interest rates were low, everyone was happy. But it was interesting to see that the ability for people to raise money, they didn't have to have a solid balance sheet of solid, this is how we're exactly going to do stuff. They had an idea and they had the ability to execute and that's what they could raise money on. And they had to go knock on a hundred doors and two might've said yes, but that's their round raised. And they had a story. And, so, and they had a story and half the story was absolutely ridiculousness, but they bought into that story and man, like that's, that was, that was a really interesting time just to see that. And I think that opened my eyes where I'd come from having to have everything very much squared away and there was just no harm in going out and get, getting on with it and having a crack and everything will fall into place, um, after that time. So, right. Yeah. yeah. So the risk, I guess your risk appetite, um, increased a little bit after watching other people, uh, yeah, in the startup. Yeah. Yeah. And then from there I went and worked for two years. <laughs> Sorry. From there I went and worked for two years at a 
property agency. And so I did their economic research uh, sort of for the national line of the business and also did their commercial and residential research um, for, yeah, about two years there, which was really, really interesting. That was straight out of uni. I learned a lot about what I did and did not want out of a career from that. So mm -hmm. that was sort of the the evil that I had to take, not the, not the evil, but it's, it's, it was the, the step back I had to take to then take step forwards. So, yeah. 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 Right. Interesting. So before we move too much on the trading, um, just looking at your positions here, Jokes, what are you, it's got your little, I think you pretty much nailed the, the low there and it's bounced, uh, what, eight, eight points or something like that. What are you, what are yep, you thinking yep. here? I could, if it bounces much more, I might add to my short a little bit, but other than that, I, I don't have a strong bias either way here, honestly. Um, yeah, just sort of sitting on my hands with what I've got. So that, that's kind of your, in terms of your midday kind of re reversion play, that's essentially trade it and then take, take some profit if it moves in your favor and set a stop above the above or below, depending on what uh, direction you're trading, um, above that, the day high or low at that point. Yeah, perfect. I'll probably explain it better than I can. So that's great. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Yeah. So mate, when, yeah. when did you, um, and when did you start on your, uh, your trading slash investing kind of journey? Mate, my first investment was when I was 17. My dad did a good job and, and it's probably exactly how you're doing it now. When, when I was younger, getting me aware of the stock market and aware that you can essentially make money by buying parcels of companies or get, getting involved in these massive financial sort of markets where money's money flows. And I, I remember fondly, actually, we were, I was maybe 10 or 11 and I was walking at a national park with some friends and my dad was there. We we're doing like a boys trip or something like that. My dad and I were walking and he explained to me dividends and he did it in a way that was, he pretty much said to me, he's like, I know that you've, you've made some money on, on, you know, mowing lawns or whatever it's been. He's like, I'll give, if you give me a hundred dollars today, um, I will give you, I think it was, no, it was, it was, if you give me $10 today, I'll give you, um, essentially a dollar every year or something like that. And then at the end of 10 years, I'll also give you a hundred dollars. And so he taught me the power of sort of compounding di uh, mm. dividends, what interest was and things like that. And I remember learning that concept on that walk and in the same walk going up to a friend and going dude we got it like if if i give ten dollars and you give ten dollars we can then have like two hundred dollars in ten years and we'll be making plus the ten dollars back over that ten years and i mean yeah my friend just went just went straight over his head he wasn't interested he was too busy talking about the next, you know, uh, Lego or whatever it was that was a Nerf blaster, I think it was at the time. And that's pretty impressive too, mate, in terms of the delayed gratification. Like I know they've done studies for, you know, on young kids where they offer them one lolly now and or two lollies in 10 minutes time. And the ones that choose the two lollies in 10 minutes time turn out to be the, um, you know, the entrepreneurs and the guys that do guys and girls that do, you know, pretty well in their life. So that's pretty, uh, Pretty impressive, mate, that you got your, your head around that. Yeah, yeah. And that was, so that was like my first exposure. And then a couple of years later, I sort of was asking my dad about my granddad, who's who's 
currently he moved over from South Africa when um when we were when he was mid forties or fifties and my dad was sort of um early to mid teens. He took took the whole family from South Africa and moved them to Australia. And essentially had a farm in South Africa. My granddad sold that and then lived off of like value investing and um dividends while he was in Australia. So for the second half of his life and um yeah so he sort of that sort of opened my eyes as well as you know my granddad had just essentially had some capital and was able to make a steady return over a lot of years that you know it was a modest life that they had very very modest life but they they were able to sustain themselves off of that so that was that was sort of that second bit of exposure um yeah and I mean, my granddad's really, really old now. He's sort of 99 um, and he had a, he had a health scare earlier in the year and it was, I went to see him in hospital and he was obviously in a state of delirium or whatever. And he just kept asking for the FMG dividends. That was the only <laughs> thing he was asking for. He's like, what are the dividends? Oh, and it was, obviously it was really, really sad at the time, but I look back and go, that's, that's exactly what I'd be doing. Like that is focus. Yeah. yeah hilarious. Amazing. Oh, brilliant. So you yeah. you started with equities and I know you're doing a bit of futures now, but the equities, what kind of equities did you start with? Yeah. So my first, my first couple of investments when I was 17, I got my dad to open me a Comsec account. I bought some BXB, so Brambles, they do renewable shipping. And my great due diligence on that was um, globalization. You know, people are buying more. I sort of saw well, people can buy stuff on the internet now, so it'll be shipped a lot more and of oh, renewable, sustainable, oh, that's good for the environment. And that was my due diligence. I think I bought that around 10 and I think I still hold, I do still hold that in my parents' account to this day. Um, but the big one that sort of kickstarted me was a investment in a small cap mining company. And I think Many Australian punters probably have a similar yep, story as how this is going yep. to go. But I bought, um, I'd essentially saved up like ten or $11,000 um, by the time I was 17. And I pretty much pumped every single dollar that I had into this small cap stock. And they've done share splits now, but it was, was 2.3 cents I bought this thing. And it was, yeah, I, I bought uh, a lot of essentially a lot of that and held that for five years and added more over time and everything um, like that. And um, that was a really, really big learning experience on, on so many fronts from learning the exploration to production phase of mining and sort of the, the, the highs and the lows of that in terms of you see this pump on great drilling results and suddenly you're up 30% in a day and then you know, they then have to go get the money to, to fund the mine. And so then you're raising a discount and you go into this 52 week low and you were up so high and then you, and then you do it again. And that is all of that was really, really good learning. Um, and then also yeah, delayed gratification is probably something that we touched on, but I mean, I kept that all through college and yeah, pretty much, um, it, it gave me like a lot of in, like good good life experience as well. Like with that money, I was able to take my girlfriend and I to, to Italy for a month and a few things like that along the way. And, um, I really got to understand the under the hood of a business. Like I knew absolutely everything about this business. I'd met with 
um, the the CEO. We'd had meetings. We'd um, yeah, I I really knew the nuts and bolts of of how this business was was running in its in its early stages. So that was yeah, really really good. And that um, level of due diligence for how much money I had in it, obviously, you know, I think I got up to thirty or forty grand cost base there. That was um, the amount of due diligence I did for that based on my whole worth was was equal to that. And so that sort of helped me understand how much effort I should be putting into every sort of investing or financial decision I make. And um, yeah, that was that was that I made a few other investments. So just on the just on, on that one. So you mentioned you spoke to CEO, et cetera, et cetera. So like for most most people out there, they'd buy a you know they'd be buying the shares, doing their research or whatever, but they'd never really think to knock on the CEO's door. Like, and I'm trying to get to like the efficient market hypothesis here as well in terms of like all the available information is already out there. Like, did you do you think it's necessary to to go go that deep on a company that you've invested in, or what are your thoughts? Yeah, I do. I think less so, almost less so with a mining company. And I know that sounds odd, um, but you should be able to quickly tell whether a CEO of a mining company is a lifestyle CEO or anyone on the board for that matter. I mean, you look at their, you look at their resume, you look at their past performance, everything like that. And you can quickly tell where, where and how much they're getting paid, what their incentives are. You can quickly tell without talking to management what what their motives are and mm. i mean you show me the incentive i'll show you the outcome it's that it's yep. that simple and this guy so you can get that um, through public information though or yeah yeah that that you can all obtain by reading and small cap mining companies they're unlikely to tell you much else um that could be of interest obviously it's it's always good to like cover all of your bases but in terms of like small cap mining companies, it's not like you get to go talk about their marketing or go understand their margins and how the dollar is affecting that and how they think the sentiment of um, their staff is going, you know, yeah. small, so weird things like probably, that. You, you could probably correct me, you know a lot more than me, but the probably that you can trust management and then obviously the drilling results and their tenements and all that kind of, they're, in my mind, for a junior miner, they're probably the two major things that, would influence my decision. Um, I guess this is leading to a, a plug for what you're working on, which is Miner Started. Do you want to tell us, I guess, how you kind of came to starting that business and what it does and a little bit about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the couple of major things I look at is the geography. I think that's something that a lot of people have been caught out with recently. Um, having, if you're going to be putting good money into something, having it in a tier one jurisdiction that doesn't have uh, risk or has has very little sort of political or geographic risk that's very important and then the second one has been able to do a peer comparison on companies and understand at what stage of the life cycle they are and where they should be trading at and you'd be surprised about the inefficiencies that come up with this um, companies that have really really good drill results that don't have any um, I guess have really, really good drill results are at a really good stage, don't have any debt or anything like that. And they are, you know, still really underpriced compared to their peers in the market. And yeah, I mean, quickly touching on miners data, I essentially started tracking all of this using 
I got drill results from all the way back from 2012 to now across commodities. And what I was doing is when a catalyst came out for drilling results, I would compare that to previous drilling results from companies. And I was able to see, oh, okay. So, you know, a random mining company six months ago released similar drill results and they, they moved 30% in a day. Um, this is really, really umbrella, but they moved 30% in a day based on those drilling results. Okay, cool. Today, XYZ company has just released drilling results. They're similar and they're gapping up 5%. Okay, cool. There might be some upside here. Obviously there's, yeah, there's more source to that, but, um, yeah, that's the sort of meat of, of that burger. And it, it gives you a really good understanding of, um, yeah, it's just sort of like, like with your data, it gives you like that, that the wind is at your back. You know, that you're not offside in your decisions to take trades. And yeah. um, I think that's a really good point. Cause that, that's, that's, you know, as, as you mentioned, like to me, it's a lot of, a lot of it is mental for, you know, my data stuff in terms of, you know, it's just good to be certain with your decisions. And if you're wrong, you're wrong, but at least, you know, yeah, as you say, you go in the right direction. hundred mm, percent. Mm, and I mean, Miners data ended up becoming a lot more than that. It's it's now like a lot a lot of commodities. I've tracked um, yeah all these drilling results and projects, everything like that. And what it gives me is this complete picture that I can then go and analyze. And um, I realized that what I was doing there's two ways to make money in the markets, right? There's either interpreting information, which then allows you to make an investment decision, or it's providing that information for people to make decisions on, right? And so I decided to, I, I could make, and the other thing with small caps is there's an issue around liquidity. So I could have the best data in the world, but I, I can't trade with the amount of size that I want to. So what I went and did is commercialized it, essentially been putting together a, a user interface for this. And yeah, hopefully in the next month, hopefully by the 15th of December, um, we'll be live with, with a product that people can use themselves to to do their own analysis and form their own opinions. And like, there's many different ways to cut that cake for everyone's individual, um, sort of thesis to the, to the investment in that space. But yeah, I just sort of decided to become the data provider for that because that's essentially the second way to make money in the markets. And yeah, that's it's very, that's very that. impressive, yeah. impressive, man. And if we were a bit more organized, we should have, um, should have had something that we could bring up and maybe if it's not too late, you could do it. In the background there but yeah it's very um as you mentioned i've had a quick look and very customizable you know you can filter by if you're looking for a gold uh developer um or a you know what's what's the what's the latest uh lithium or whatever you can filter it through from there by state by what gram by all sorts of stuff yeah see so yeah all the intervals the project um what year uh I mean, the list goes on, there's maps there. I mean, yeah, I, again, don't want to plug it, but it's, um, it's been a great experience for me because I've been able to take something that I love, which is investing in the markets and also like the entrepreneurial side of getting really into a business and actually building my own thing. And I never thought that I would be able to bring them together like that, but it's, it's been great that it has. And, you know, regardless of whether I sell one subscription or 600 subscriptions, I've learned so much from that experience and, and so much from being able to get that to a place of an idea and exactly like you had, like just some numbers on an Excel sheet 
all the way up to a product that people can touch, feel, and hopefully make good informed investment decisions with. And like that, that learning experience is whether it works or not, doesn't matter. I've, I've gained really, really valuable um, knowledge for myself, which makes the next time or the next time or the next time that much easier to, to execute on. Yeah. Yeah. And that's probably why we're on a, uh, a call together, mate, because uh, we have very, very similar um, outlooks and and backgrounds. So yeah, loving uh, loving what you're doing there. And um, mate, we're just uh, looking back at the trade. So we've uh, mm. holding holding firm. Yeah, yeah. Maybe if I wasn't talking and rambling so much, I might have added. But hindsight's a wonderful thing. I'm even thinking I might shave another ten off around here. Um. But are still all thoughts. And the other thing that's probably important to mention is that none of that is rule, rules-based. I mean, like we said, this trading's not, we're not playing for sheep stations. Um, I'm just sort of trying to get some points on the board here. So <laughs> I, I would yeah, not be... It looks like you're going to finish I, in the green. So that's a, uh, that's a great start for you. Don't jinx it, mate. Ah. Goodness. So is there anything you want to say just around, again, trading style... Um, with the turnaround, the like the midday turnaround, is there any kind of hard data or it's just anecdotal? What are you? No, it's honestly, it's still something I'm working every day on and, and developing. And I mean, you, unfortunately you're on the receiving end of that. You get a million questions every time we get on to do one of these, <laughs> one of these catch-ups, but um, it's something I'm still learning and I'm just trying to take the same approach. And I've taken a leaf out of your book, really using data, um, in in a using price and and time frame to create meaningful trade insights that just give me a statistical edge. Um, and I mean, maybe later we can get into sort of how I formed my first couple of strategies in in equities post um, post that that first five year investment. And yeah, that sort of wind up because my future. Yeah, that's only... what I'd like to know about. I guess you know the equities your strat your strategy there. If you want to give a quick um, background on that, and then. I know you're obviously trading some futures now, so you know why that transition. What's been the most challenging part, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, yeah. I actually might just backtrack quickly, and I'll just finish the story of my amazing five-year first investment. Yep. Is that? Yeah. I thought that, it was just going to end in rivers of gold. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's exactly what I thought too. Um, and and I think this is imperative to the story arc and where we are. And yep. it's it's so important because no matter who you are, you honestly the amount of people I've spoken to and they've got the exact same arc um, is ridiculous. Um, so this was a mining company, a little mining. Yeah. Company. So this yep. this mining company had done quite well for me. I'd sort of as a as a heap of lessons I can take out of it, but um, it eventually got to this point in time where they were doing coal. Um, and they'd gotten this mine to a point where it was Q3 and I was going to get the Q3 announcement any day now. And it was going to tell me that they'd successfully started production. They'd shipped this much coal and they were making this much money. I remember it vividly. I was sitting in a meeting at 10 a.m. And um, the notification that it that the market had had an announcement for this ticker came up on my phone. I put it down, finish my 15 minute meeting or whatever, open it up in the meeting room. And I looked down and the stock was had opened down 50%. And I just hit um, this amazing paralysis that 
yeah it's all I've, i would liken it to like when you roll a car and the everything goes in slow motion it was so you couldn't make a decision in that moment or you were just you were just i could not process i there was a lot to process it wasn't something that i had given a condition for like if if yeah, yeah. market <laughs> put stock to zero what, what the hell do i do so is that is that a lesson I, in itself there are many lessons and that is a lesson in itself that i had a um, an amazing confirmation bias on this stock i had so many biases running on this and if i take it i took a step back well afterwards and there was red flags i could find everywhere but um i yeah i i fumbled and didn't do anything and instead what i did was i put my phone down and it was yeah by this time sort of 10 to 45 i was working corporate job went down the elevator went for a walk um ended up at a bar i took two shots of vodka at 11 a.m as soon as they could serve and i went oh, back great. up and finished my work day and i did not look at the market you didn't look at it no how could you didn't not look, look at, at it? it because i i just i did not want I mean, I, it was all of my money and I thought that I was about to not only move, I think I was a hundred grand, over a hundred grand in profit, um, at that time. And I thought, you know, if it's 50% down, it'll come back to 20%. And I'll, at the end of the day, I'll sort of, um, I'll reassess, I'll get to it then because like, there's no way it can be 50% down and go any lower. And you go back and look at the day on this stock and it just continued, uh, continued directly one way. So it was, yeah. <laughs> and what, it was, so what, it missed consensus or? So not only did they not start production, the mine had a, a plethora of, of issues. And, um, shortly after that, they had some debt and the, the debtor called in that note and they were unable to repay it. And it eventually ended up the company went to zero. Mm. Um, so I lost in total about 130, 140 grand, um, oh. of which I had about 25 grand of leverage in. So I had 25 grand debt as well that I had started mm. with, uh, that I now had. Um, and this is going to be just wild to, to listen to, but I, when it was all said and done, I had $1,855 left to my name. That's incredible. So how did you, wow. How did you get back off the, off the carpet after that? Yeah, mate. Like I, I remember driving that night. I went for a very, very long drive. Um, once I sort of sold out of everything and I, I um, come to, I'd understood that what financial position I was now in. And, uh, I went for a drive and mate, I just went to myself. I was like, this is a, this is a very pivotal moment in my, in my whole life, which sounds stupid. And there's many lessons I can learn, but I said, for me to be able to get to that, I need to, there's two ways I can go right now. I can go, go poor me. I can go curl up in a corner, cry my eyes out, go, I can't believe this happened. I had it exactly, exactly. Or I could go, yep, that's happened give it another two days, go write down every single lesson that you can think of and what the heck you're going to do about it and where you're going to go from there and, yep. and use it as a firecracker up the ass. And I, I chose to go that way. And I, I went, cool. You can't pity yourself. It was only, it was only you who got yourself into that position. There was nothing. You, you were making all the calls the whole way through. 
Mm. You got yourself into that position. You wouldn't be crying about it if it had gone right and you were 200, 230 grand up. Um, so yeah, I had to swallow my medicine. How do you get over the <laughs> self-loathing side of it? Cause that's something that I've dealt with a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was tough and I actually didn't let myself have too much of it. And I think that the, the most important lesson, um, and I've been lucky that I feel like I do have good perspective in my life, but the most important lesson that I had coming out of that, and it was the first one I was able to, to fully crystallize and write down is that I still had my health. I still had my family and people that love me. And, you know, I still, like I still had a job. So I, there was a roof over my head. Um, so all things else, like I still, I still had those three things and that, that was purely the biggest lesson I had out of the markets and everything. And that was the single thing that sort of, yeah, got me probably through the other side of that was, you know, I'm, I'm still, I had the opportunity to lose 130, $140,000. Yeah. Yeah. So many other people aren't perspective. Yeah. So many other people don't get that um, opportunity, which, Mm. You know, it's, it says a lot. So yeah. And then there was a heap of trading lessons from that as well. Um, we can go into that if you want, I can just yep. breeze over that, but well, I'll um, just, just, just as your, um, you know, um, number one podcast host here, I'll just let you know as well. I think we're just breaking, nearly breaking new day lows. So if you wanted to take uh, that little bit off, like you were saying, uh, feel, feel free. Is the market but, um, going to zero? Uh, today it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> no, I'll take, I'll take another, uh, what I'll take 15 off here. Mm-hmm. Um, Responsible. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. And so that leaves me with a whole 15 orders short still, which I'll just mm-hmm. hold for a little bit. And you know what? I'm, I might even play that pretty safe. If I see a revisit of 71, 43 or 44. Yep. I'll take the rest off, but the rest yep. of my just, that, that'll be my goal. Low parcel. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And you've done Yep. Well, oh, that's why you're, it's your goal, mate. You're going to try and beat me, are you? I'm not sure if that's possible, actually. No. I, I, It'll I have to go to zero. To I was like, <laughs> you should yeah, have helped. Exactly. There was a, uh, a, a message behind me trying to tell you to, to take profit yeah. there. Yeah, you're jeopardizing me. <laughs> so, what, um, mate, I'm interested in your kind of transition to futures, though. What, what kind of drove that? And yeah, what, what, what have you found hard? What have you found easy? Would you recommend it? I mean, this is something that, um, probably I've followed a similar path in terms of, I, I used to trade shares as well. Um, now I don't think I could, um, I don't think I've got that much bandwidth to keep track of, uh, you know, opportunities and all the rest of it across, you know, 2000 stocks or whatever I find futures just very simple, just get to know one or two things really, really well inside out. Um, but I was thinking this morning of the attraction of equities. Uh, I think it was on the AFR where they showed, you know, $10 invested in NVIDIA and uh, Apple and, for, you know, in two, I think it was 2012 or something like that. Um, NVIDIA would be worth 1.2 million bucks today off, you know, I think it was 10,000 10, starting. Um, and the rest were, you know, not bad either, a couple of hundred grand. So I guess that's the, and, and similar with, you know, specy mining stocks or biotechs or whatever, is, is that the allure for, 
for people trading equities? I think so. And I have now had the opportunity to sort of spend several years like really in the in the chat rooms and in the depths of trading the Australian market at least. And the thing I've found is that and I'm not sure these people know it, but there's almost like a fine line between having a proven trading strategy that you can execute repeatedly on the entire equities market and like just like educated gambling in a way. And a lot of people I think need to maybe have a think about, especially like those early traders, like whether you actually do have a strategy or whether you rock up to the market and you consider doing something differently every day and that's i'd agree with that you 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 don't really think i don't don't think i did think of an edge when i first started trading you just think i'm reading the annual report um yeah i think you've got to go in thinking well what have i got that other people don't yeah and i i i mean i had a in the end there i did have a couple of good strategies um with edge but and and I executed on those profitably. But in the meantime, I was also taking trades throughout the day that someone might have called in chat or I was jumping at a shadow or something like that. Um, and so I had two things going through me at the sort of mid start to mid of this year. I had edge decay on my strategy that was working in equities. So that means previously I had a strategy where essentially the whole market had to be going up um, and you'd have strong leading stocks and I would momentum right breakouts in, in quite a, did a lot of work on that and got it quantified and it had proven edge the, the way I was trading that. But the market then sort of had a, it's now gone into a sort of a ranging type session and whether that's. Mm, so you your know, strategy didn't been, work in that consolidation phase. Yeah. 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 So I had edge decay there and. I took too long to pivot out of that. And so what I do now in in equities is essentially learn just like, it's honestly like find one thing and look at it every single day and you'll be able to find the nuances and understand that. And that is edge in itself. Like understand how a certain product or a certain stock moves better than any other stock. And that just puts you so far ahead of, you know, someone that will trade 20 different stocks a day, I think. I mean, I mean everyone, everyone's different. This is just my well, You do hear that opinion, a lot from so. when they you know, interview top traders and whether they're top traders or not, um, it's debatable. But the guys that are out there on social and all the rest of it, and they say that a lot, that they only trade a couple of tickers and usually these are US guys, so they're trading Facebook or Amazon or Tesla or whatever, but they just know the, the price action inside out. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's what you do with, with your indices. And I mean, that's sort of what I do now. I sort of, um, I've taken a leaf out of a guy, Bo, um, he's gone on a route of what he, his best sort of trades. And I hope we can get him on a show, but he found fundamental value in a stock, learnt the tape, learnt the structure of how these stocks sort of come out of that basing pattern. Um, and I've sort of followed in his steps in a similar way. And I essentially just find a one concentrated bet in equities now, or it can be two, but it's, it's one concentrated bet in equities. And I just learn that stock inside out. And that way I can tell if, if something's changed, if there's been, um, some sort of 
changing the book, changing the fundamental of the company. And it just gives me confidence. I know that stock. And I mean, I'm, I, I'm trying to do the same on an intraday level with the Oz 200 market now. And I mean, I've been trading it for two months now and um, probably slightly profitable overall on the Oz 200. And a lot of that's been experimenting and I do spend a lot of my time back testing. So I essentially just pull out all of the 30 minute data, have that in an Excel spreadsheet. And I've just been, yeah, just cycling through it, trying to figure out where, where there's some sort of inefficiency or something so I what notice. Are you, what are you looking for? What are you, are you looking for large changes? Are you looking for patterns going the same way, given something else? What are you? So it usually starts with like a question that I ask. And so it could be for some reason, the last three days, this is theoretical, the last three days, there's been a gap up and in the pre-market, it's moved 20 points. And then it's come back down to pretty much like flat by the end of pre-market. Okay. What is that? Is that a, that nuance? Is that a, uh, some sort of edge there? Like, is that, um, preluding to how the day will eventuate? Is that anything? And so I ask these questions of what I see in nuance moves in the market, and it doesn't even have to be nuance, like moves in the market. I ask questions of that, and then I use the data to either confirm what I'm seeing or, or reject. It's just yeah. hypothesis testing, confirm yeah, or reject exactly. what I'm seeing. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm also very wary of sort of stuff that I do see may last for a period of time and work in a certain market. And then I will be back at square one where it won't be a thing anymore. And so that's also something that I'm very, very conscious of with futures that I need to um, be continually monitoring the edge. Or if I do discover new edge, how long that sort of occurs and lasts for. Yeah. How do you manage? Um, I'm interested in how do you manage dealing with different inputs from, you know, Twitter, Discord groups that we're in, you know, my stuff, which you follow as well. I'm interested in because, yeah, I've had people obviously saying, you know, they, they want to keep the blinkers on, but, you know, there's obviously all these different inputs that are coming in. And we had this discussion this morning around, uh, you know, traders that are just starting out are probably more easily influenced by, you know, whether it's people that they know in Twitter or chat rooms or whatever. Um, whereas I guess I'm at a point in my career where we had the discussion that, you know, nobody could say anything to kind of change my opinion on, on a trade. Um, so yeah, interested to kind of how, how you think about that, but because you still, you still want to, um, grab the, the good pieces of information out there because there are some. But how do you not just become chop, you know, trading one way or another every time you see a different thought? Yeah, yeah. No, um, I think if I could turn back the clock, right, if I could turn back the clock to when I first joined these chat rooms and everything, and you sort of see these people who are making very bold claims or very bold calls about where they see the stock going, and it might happen two times. And then you go, wow, okay, this guy's a genius. I'll, I'll you either consciously or subconsciously start to believe, you know, that his, that person's calls start to influence you. Right. Um, because there's a, there's an awareness bias of you being able to understand that 
you've seen something twice and the recency of that must then extrapolate to his their future calls um so how do you yeah how, how do you use someone expertise that seems to be getting some calls right without blindly following them yeah i mean if they're making good calls i think the better way to do and get benefit out of what they're doing is to instead of copying them understand how they got to the point where they can make good calls um and i mean i'll can i I'll just use you as an example right i when i first didn't know anything about you you were making calls on um sort of maybe where the day time frame expectancy would would eventuate on futures and you would you would publish that and it was right and it was right and then you know you, you had one that was off and then you were right again and i just went okay like every other time i would have gone oh that's um I'll follow him blindly or I, or I won't follow him at all. He doesn't know what he's talking about. But then I, I talked to you and I understood how you had compiled your data to get a strategy that worked for you and how you used the strategy to then come up with those that end product, which is a uh, either a call on a ticker or whatever it is. So if I was someone who saw that someone was doing something good, rather than just following them, I'd learn the, the cogs of how they got to that point in the first place. So throw out, if you see in Discord, if you see a ticker, throw out any sort of blind trading that, essentially go to go to the person and say, oh, like this strategy must work really well for you. What's the strategy? Or how did you get to that point where you can essentially make those consistent re reoccurring calls on, on, on a name or names? And that will put you that won't give you like, that won't give you something that's profitable tomorrow, but that will set up the structure of your trading to then be able to implement that into your own universe of stocks or whatever it is you trade and do that consistently and profitably. Yeah, I couldn't, couldn't agree more, mate. Like I, I know I sent something out yesterday saying, you know, you, take, you know, give a man a fish, he eats for a day, teach a man a fish, he, you know, eats for a lifetime. So um, and I'm very clear with obviously all my stuff that um, it's, you know, I, I, I'm not your guru, you know, I don't want people following me blindly, but if you guys understand, I guess, the way that I'm thinking about things and from a data um, point of view, um, then that might get you, as you say, you just keep asking questions and back testing and all the rest of it. And, and um, you'll, you'll find it that your growth kind of improves from there. Um, so mate, you mentioned, yeah. And um, if you're a new, sorry, go on. Sorry, if you're like a new intraday equities trader, for example, and you see someone putting out calls of a morning and you think like, oh, okay, then maybe that data side or what we've just spoken about doesn't apply. It does because you need to then go ask to that equities trader or, or back sole for them what it is they're looking for in a catalyst. Um, what sort of stocks are they consistently trading? What sort of context do you have around that? And you need to be asking those questions to then back solve and understand how they do it and then apply that to your own or, or, or build on that and, and come up with your own, your own edge. So there's, there's no, like, there's no edge in copying someone or, um, yeah, listening to the influence of, of other people. And I mean, yeah, back on that original question, it's really hard to not be like influenced by people's emotional language in a chat room. Um, and I mean, it's something that maybe you just have to sort of tone down the amount that you're relying on that and 
yeah, build the confidence in your own system to execute that. Yeah. Yeah. Regardless exactly. of the noise. Yeah. hundred percent. Now, mate, I've got uh, 30 seconds left on my timer and you're all, all closed out. So well traded. Yes. Yep. But, uh, $21,113.80 from 20 grand in take it. I'll take it less than an hour. So congratulations. And we'll, uh, we'll check the leaderboard before we wrap up. But, um, few other things that I just want to get to before we um, get to the end of it. So you mentioned one kind of lesson there that you give to, to new traders. If you could go back, I guess, to the start of your journey, what would you, any um, insights, sorry, that's a timer, um, any big kind of insights, light bulb moments that you'd, you'd pass on to someone that's just starting out? Mate, if I could maybe not pass on to someone else, but, it's probably easiest if I just think about this like back for myself. A couple of things would be one is that I'm not I'm not special. Like people have to put in incredibly large amounts of work to build a strategy or an edge. Ridiculous amounts, and that sh like me shortcutting any of that is not is not going to work. Like I'm not special. I'm not smarter than anyone else in the market. I need to then. I need to 100% go put in the work on my own and put in ridiculous hours, not shortcut anything. And I mean, when when you see all these podcasts or traders or people who are successful say it takes two, three, four-year degree, like it takes that long, it's not any different for you, no matter like how much early success you have, no matter how much um, – yeah, no matter how much you're blinded by, you think that you know the market's better or you, you've got a better grasp on it, like, man, it is a three or four year degree. And so if you can conserve your capital and spend time learning and, you know, you're going to have to go through this drawdown in your learning, that uh, that's just the cost of trading, the cost of doing business. But I mean, if you can accept the fact that you're not special, accept the fact that you're going to have to go through that and earn your right to be trading bigger size, making money, making it a full-time thing. If you can come to that acceptance and that realization earlier, it's going to save you more money and you're going to be trading with smaller size to understand that you need to go through that process and build, build it up. And yeah, I mean, the quicker you're jumping to, to the end goal and trying to not delay the gratification, like the, the more you're going to be taking step backwards, losing more money. And I, I mean, dude, I reckon that's like, I don't know, talk to me on this, but I reckon that's like why 90% of that statistical 90% of traders don't make it. And I think it's because they don't give themselves the window or the time frame to make it. Like they, they burn capital up or whatever it may be before they get that time, you know? Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd probably agree with you on some of that and disagree a little bit in terms of, I think definitely from the emotional discipline mental side um that's probably not a four-year degree that's probably a a 30-year degree but um I, I think that's the hardest part of it um the, the the thing the other thing that i'd say is i think it is possible to shorten the time frame by finding good people and i'm not talking just about me here but i mean i i think you could go out and take your advice in terms of position sizing and literally trade you know, one share, one, one, you know, contract in the futures, whatever. And you could probably try 20 or 30, follow 20 or 30 people over the four years 
testing their strategies. But the key is that you don't want to blow, yeah, as you say, you don't want to blow your account up on the second person that you're, that you're trying to, you know, learn from. So, but yeah, for me, I think it's, yeah, I mean, I'm still far from a finished product and, you know, yeah, it's the discipline, it's the decision-making based on the information that you, you've got in front of you. And, you know, as I said, I put a post out this morning about, you know, the, all the influencers out there and that, you know, there's so many, yeah, there's a lot of confusion, I think, in terms of, you know, I was reading one this morning that got sent to me and it was, you know, it was one of those ones, well, if it breaks through this level, it's going to go here, which is 20 points higher, but, you know, unless it's a failed breakout and then it'll go lower. I'm like, well, how do I use that? Like, what? Well, that's, <laughs> that's what I kind of struggle with. And I think, yeah, people are, yeah, it's hard for, especially if you're starting out. And that's why, yeah, I just completely agree with you. Just use, you know, very small portion sizes and don't think that you're going to, you know, despite what you see on Twitter, don't think that in 12 months you're going to be, you know, got a million bucks to your name. Yeah, yeah. I think you touched on something that I want to expand more on there and that's the power of people. And I think trading is a very, very solo sport. And, you know, if you if you never wanted to see anyone and you wanted to trade, you could do that. Um, but I have made the effort to go and meet uh, many, many, many traders. I mean, I've met, I've met some like really good friends. I've obviously met you. I've met, so I can put that in the same basket. Sorry. Um, you know, I have met a lot of people, um, through trading and they, they have all are at various stages. And I mean, I can, I can go pinpoint myself on where they've been or where they're going. And I mean, I've got, I've got a guy that I met in Bali that I go and cry to every time I think I've blown my account and life's over. I've got a guy that I catch up with on discord, like a couple of times a week or, or, you know, once or twice sort of every six months for a coffee. And he's the guy that when I'm overly optimistic about something, I go to him and, and he just has this amazing ability to critically, critically analyze what I'm saying and just like tear shreds off me. And like the people that you meet are, going to sort of influence and change how you trade. And that is the most valuable. I think one of the most valuable things that you can do is, is get out there and meet people actually. Um, yeah, actually like message people in discord and, and, you know, don't, don't be afraid to be annoying or whatever it may be, you know, make the connections and you'll be surprised like who you get to meet. And yeah, that, that's mate. That's a, now that you mentioned it, that's probably the uh, one of the most impressive things about you. I mean, you've anybody that I mention on Twitter or whatever, you've you know you, you know them or you've you've messaged them or whatnot. So yeah, super super impressive in that in that respect. But yeah, you're hundred hundred percent right. Like I think once you find your your tribe and you know you make these connections and um, so how how would you kind of suggest people do that through just you know commenting on. Twitter, if you like what someone's kind of doing or joining, trying to join a Discord group or, or just every, or just anyone, everybody on Twitter, just send you a message. No, no, definitely don't do that. I mean, if you're looking for like a mentor, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just go messaging anyone that you think is successful um, and, and trying to, trying to get off uh, in that. I think there has to be a value exchange and a mentor mentee relationship. Um, so, whether they're looking for someone to help with data and 
you have the skills to help with that or um, whether you you think that you're particularly good, you have really amazing fundamental knowledge on, on lithium or something like that and you can help with that. Um, that's maybe how I'd approach that. But if you're just trying to like meet people, understand how they work, one, you've got to have a genuine interest in them and what they're doing. So, I mean, you re- you have to be able to ask and, and really understand and give have those insightful questions that provoke good answers. And yeah, I mean, if you find someone that you, you want to approach, just send a message, literally just get a, like, don't make it, don't make it paragraphs long. Just send them a message saying, Hey, I saw this tweet. I thought this was really interesting. Like previously I would have framed it like this, but you've gone and framed it like that. Why, how, how has that gone for you? And um, you'd be surprised like how much people are willing to share about even their strategies. Like mm, honestly, mm. people are, some people are just open books with that stuff. Yeah. And even if you're in the same, you know, postcode um, or city, just reach out. I've done that plenty. Just, you know, living on the Gold Coast. Hey, see you're a fellow uh, Gold Coastian. Let's catch up for a coffee, whatnot. So yeah, I think that's a, a really, really good point. Mate, we, we're probably getting to the end of where we need to wrap up, but what, what, um, Unless there's anything else you want to mention, but I'm I'm thinking what what's the next kind of twelve to say five years looking like for the Churgs, mate? That's a really good question. Um, I, I obviously I want to keep meeting people, and mate, honestly, like my five year plan would be to get out of this home office and get back into um, a space where other traders and or other people in in the markets or whatever are sharing a common space, like whether it's through people that are with miners data or doing what you're doing or whether they are just traders. I, I really want to, in the next five years, have a space that um, you're getting people in person to collaborate. And I think, you know, this one of the guys that I mentioned, him and I talk about this nonstop where if we could just have a co-working space where at the end of each day we go into a meeting room and we talk about our trades, we talk about our write-ups and we like scrutinize each other and you're in that environment that's building each other up. Like that would do wonders for my own trading, wonders for my own sort of um, progress. So rather selfishly, I want to bring a group of people together under one roof and, and trade and do business with them in, in some sort of form. That's my, Wow. That's my five-year incredible goal. Mate. Yeah, what a what a great idea! I remember. I think I was listening to one last week of um, who was it? One of the guys on Chat with Traders that did a similar thing in New York, and yeah, it was. I think it probably a little bit too wild for likes likes of you, mate. What he got up to, but yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. I think that'd be brilliant. So if you're in um, if you're in Brisbane or in Queensland and uh, like the like the sound of that, feel free to reach yeah. out to to Chugs. Um, mate, yeah, yeah. anything else uh, you want to touch on before we wrap up? No, mate, no, I think, um, yeah, if you, if you have liked what you've heard, give it a like, um, please do share that sort of just tells us that we're doing the right sort of thing. This episode is obviously a bit of an odd one. These first two just between you and I, but we've, we do have some really interesting and amazing guests coming up that are on futures and equities. Um, I've even got a guy that you know, don't know if he'd be up for it, but a really good guy on mindset, things like that, who who we want to approach and get on. So um, please let us know if we're on the right track with how we're framing and um, sort of devising these podcast sessions. And yeah, we can go from there and, and hopefully 
yeah, sort of deliver value to, to people that are listening. It's sort of yeah, the podcast so. I wanted to have. Yeah, and as you say, if people can let us know uh, if we're doing well or uh, or not, that would be uh, any comments or uh, advice. That'd be brilliant. Um, now, mate, do you just want to go run through that leaderboard for me? If you can just bring it up. No, mate, don't actually have that. Uh, <laughs> don't have that on me. Sorry, we're gonna right. have to. Maybe next no, mate, time. How mate. much did you end up making? I'll. Uh, you should have. You should have that, mate. But twenty twenty one. I think what was it 195 or 22 195 okay 20 i think it was 2295 or something like that um <clears throat> yeah so obviously you're in first place we've got the leaderboard up now you're in first place there i've just made one thousand one hundred and thirteen dollars and eighty cents so that puts me not in second day. spot not bad. not a bad day not a bad day um and yeah we'll see see how we go see if that leaderboard stands Brilliant. We so need to come up with a yes. name with it. That's what we, we need to we do. We do, yes, yep. We'll work on that. But um, we've got some, yeah, really good guests coming yeah. up and uh, and back to a, a decent host next time. So thank you, Chergs. That was brilliant, mate. Enjoyed the chat. Learned a, a lot about you. I'm not sure if it's a good good or bad thing, but, uh, yeah, enjoyed it, mate. <laughs> no, good, good. All right, I'll catch you in the next one. Thanks, sir.